Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The 500, the 500, J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new, hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of peace for Angelo, talking the 500 until the end, talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. This is a band coming right out of the gate, just with fire, right from the jump. Freedom, it's by Rage Against the Machine, one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite albums. It's number 365 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. Supply Same, some of those that run forces, or the same that burn crosses. How Jewish can I make Rage Against the Machine sound? So, you play that at a bar mitzvah, man, you'll start a goddamn riot. All right, I got some dates. First of all, I'm in New York. It is 99 degrees. Everybody here has Swampy Swamp. I am at the Comedy Cellar, The Stand, New York Comedy Club almost every night of the week. Check my Instagram at Josh Adam Myers for all the details. Thursday, June 24th through the 27th, I'll be at the St. Louis Funny Bone. August 5th through August 7th, I'll be at the DC Comedy Loft, and then I will be at the Vancouver House of Comedy in September. I will be at Moon Tower Comedy Festival in September. I will be at Skankfest South in November. I got a really cool announcement coming up for November. All tickets are at my website, joshadammyers.com, and that's where you can join my Patreon. $5 a month, patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube. Do all that stuff. I want to talk about this record because... So we do the podcast, I think it's almost going on about three years now, and I've had an incredible selection of records, a lot of them I don't know, a lot of them you get mad at me that I don't know, because I am not a music reviewer, I'm a comic trying to honor my dead friend, Angelo Bowers, greatest comic that ever lived. And then you get a record on the list that you know back and forth, sideways, upside down ways, I know the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs. The Kadoogles and the Kushplugles. Oh, there is somebody listening right now that's like, why is he talking like Ned Flanders? Guess what? I'm going to keep doing it. 
Pay me to stop doing it. I'll stop. Pay me. Join the Patreon. But give me money. This record changed my life. This record changed so many people's lives. This band taught so many people about injustices in the world. It taught so many people about what is right, what is wrong. Iconic. If you grew up and you're the same age as me, I bet just like me, you can pinpoint the exact moment you heard Rage Against the Machine for the first time. I can. We're going to talk about it. My guest today is my good friend, Shane Gillis. Shane, one of the funniest people that I know. The guy is a powerhouse on stage, and there's a lot of notoriety that comes with his name. We get to the bottom of all of this today. He opens up. We talk about everything. We talk about the record. We talk about Shane. We talk about the controversy on both sides between the record, his life, how they merge, how everything, it all is one coagulation. I don't know if that's the right word to use for it, but, you know, that's what I'm doing. Also, make sure you guys check out Shane's podcast, Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast. And like he talks about on the 500 today, uh, he is taping his special. So he'll give you all the details in a little bit. Great episode. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500 and listen free on all platforms. You're listening on Apple. Please leave us a review and a five-star rating. I know you have a second to do that. Please, please. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to our website, 500podcast.com. I think it's the 500 pod. Yeah, it's the 500podcast.com. Well, nothing left to say, but here we go with number 365. Bye bye. Rage Against the Machine. This is probably, and I mean this, from doing this podcast, this is probably one of the most important records that I think we've covered since we started doing this, for me. Uh, I think for you too, Adam, right? Morty, you're you're like, uh, you're very passive. Yeah, I'll get into that. Yeah, they're contemporaries of mine, but I respect the hell out of them. Yeah. But Shane, you're a little bit younger than me. You're what, like, how old are you? I'm, I'm 33. 33. Oh. All right, so you kind of missed, like, really, you were too young for when it first dropped. But just tell me, like, take me to the exact moment, because I can pinpoint the exact moment I heard this band. So take me through yours. I think the first time I heard them was probably, fuck like, Gorilla Radio on Tony Hawk. (laughs) Right? Yeah, dude. (laughs) And I was just like, what the hell is this? I was in my parents' basement playing video games, like, yo, (laughs) let's go. Uh, and then I don't know. I, I, I I didn't get, I don't know. I didn't have music. I didn't like, I didn't know what I was listening to. I was from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I was listening to fuel. (laughs) You're listening to to whatever was, yeah, I would go to the wall and buy rec and CDs of like Will Smith and Aqua. Oh my God. Yeah, bro. I was a kid. (laughs) You were buying Barbie girl though. 
you know, Barbie Girl, they, yeah, that should be on. I'm not, I'm surprised that's not top 500. I'm surprised. It's so funny because uh, you're, wait, you're so against lame. And then you just dropped like the lamest song I've ever, like you, like, on, on what couple, are you talking dude, about? Dude, a couple days ago, I was taking, I put a filter on Jay. I was, I was shooting him at the cellar and you were behind me getting off on the fact that you were about to shoot me shooting him because yeah. what I was doing was lame. And yet you just said Barbie girl, dude, yeah. fucking. <laughs> yeah. Fourth grade spice girls came out. Barbie girl, dude. What? I was, I was a young man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was like when rage came, when the rage was probably before them. Oh uh, yeah. Just decidedly a hundred percent before them. Yeah. Nine ninety two, twenty nine 29 years ago. They definitely influenced them quite a bit, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was a kid. Didn't make a difference. I was, I was listening to Iron Maiden at six, bro. Yeah, because what happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> you should have been listening to girl music when you were young. I mean, I, I kind of did. I mean, we all I have a few girl songs that I really like, but I mean, I don't promote them like you did. I mean, you you literally open with, dude, I was fucking with Rage. But before that, I had yeah. 65. Yo, <laughs> don't. I just watched that music video like two days ago. Really? <laughs> yeah, it holds up. <laughs> also, it was back when I didn't know anyone was gay. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, was too, I had no idea what being gay was. I was like, these guys are weird. Zyphal <laughs> 56 or whatever. These guys are strange. They're a little odd. But all right, so you're playing You're playing Tony Hawk. You hear Gorilla Radio. And what does it do to you? Like, I mean, are you immediately just like interested? Like, like what the fuck is this? Cause there were so many good songs on Tony Hawk. Yeah. I don't know. I think that was the best one. I think it was Tony Hawk too. Maybe I'm wrong. Gorilla radio. So, Regardless. Yeah. It fired me up, dude. Yeah. It's got that rage does that to you. For sure. So what did that mean? Did, yeah. did you then start just listening to all their music and you know? No, no, no. I never, I don't know. I was never like a, I know I'm not great for this podcast. I was never like a big music guy outside of like rap. I like rap, but, and it was always like pop rap. It was never like, I wasn't in like KRS one as a kid. You yeah. Know? It was always just whoever's popular. So who did you like? So, so you talking like notorious B I G and Tupac. And- yeah. I was, I was actually late for, Notorious B.I.G. I got there. I got into rap right when Mace was taking over Bad Boy. <laughs> and Harlem, yo, Harlem World ruled. I mean, it's... it's Harlem World was so good. <laughs> Welcome back. Is that the song yeah, you did? No, no, so no. You, oh, that was late. That was yeah, later. So when you heard hits from the A-Days that got real crazy or whatever that was, you didn't know the original songs, did you? I had no idea All those what was songs happening. you know through the Puffy stuff. I thought Puffy was coming up with every single wow. beat. And I was like, this guy's a genius. Look at his songs he's writing. He's got 47 choruses coming out of this dude. No, I had no idea what any lyric meant. I just had my headphones on secretly listening to it. I remember Eminem. I got Eminem early. Okay. Yeah. And it, yeah, I had, I had older sisters, dude. I was listening to Veruca Salt. That's dope. <laughs> yeah, true. Baruch Assault did rule. <laughs> All right, but but what about Rage? Like, take us through. So you know, how has it evolved? Like, or about specifically this record, their first album, which I mean is a game changer. Yeah, you want me to tell you about? Yeah, it? Yeah, you tell me. No, not about that. But you just like what 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 attracts you to this band? I again another video game experience when uh, 
Guitar Hero came out with Killing in the Name of. I was I was like a freshman in college and I was like, damn. Also, I had been listening to Renegade. Renegade was I think came out when I was in like high school. Yeah. When did that song come out? Renegade's like, a funk. Four? Yeah. Uh, I think Renegades of Funk was oh, off of their fourth record. So you're thinking, so the the third record came out in 99 or 2000. So I'm thinking like 2001, 2002, but that's literally oh. the sound of the band breaking up. Like yeah, all those they'd already broken up. Yeah, they'd already broken up. And that's a covers album. All those songs are covers. Yeah, but they fucking rule though, yeah. dude. No, no, Ghost, no, no, it's fantastic. Ghost of uh, Tom, Ghost yeah. Tom Joad. Yeah, bro. yeah. I love I love Steinbeck and Grapes of Wrath. I got a I got a first edition at the house here. Nice. Wow. And like I used to like listen to that. And <laughs> you, you know how like when you listen to songs when you're young and you're like, yo, just listen to the lyrics. Listen to the lyrics. Like you just force someone to listen to it. Yeah. I did that to a couple girlfriends with Ghost of Tom Joe. <laughs> like, like, I look did, back so ashamed. Yeah. How did it pan out? <laughs> we broke up. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you want to watch a porn or do you want me to listen to Bruce Springsteen break down Steinbeck? <laughs> So then, if you if you uh, if you yeah. if you're into lyrics, then that I mean, Rage Against the Machine is probably I mean, it's that's got to be something that sticks out because everything that they're saying, it's like every song has a meaning. Every song is about something. Every song is about history and strife and and oppression and and it's I mean, when you when you're when when I first heard him, like it was like I knew what they were talking about was important. I was just too young to understand it. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was, I, I'm, I grew up in the suburbs. I was, I, I'm the machine, dude. I was listening to it. I was like, man, I wish these guys would stop raging <laughs> against me. We got some good going here. Why don't you guys shut up about it? <laughs> oh, so, so as you've gotten older, how, uh, how has it changed? Is it like, you know, is this, I don't know. I, I flip flop on it because sometimes, Sometimes I remember like right away. The, what was the music video where they were singing in front of Wall Street? Uh, Sleep Now in the Fire, directed by Michael Moore. Yes, I remember seeing that, and that was like I was like, I'm gonna Google these guys' net worth, <laughs> and that kind of put a damper on things. I was like, these guys are full of shit, dude. What is this? And uh, and so I flip flop on that, and then you'll hear a certain song and just be like, damn, they are so good, dude. I mean, I don't, so, uh, you know, I don't know how you can't eventually become the machine. I mean, the clash who are this very anti-establishment band. I mean, Morty, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they made a lot of money. Well, I mean, in any business you're going to make money, but then it's chosen, you know, then you choose like Willie Nelson has ecologically sound, you know, uh, touring vehicles. So you might be like, well, you know, he comes from the old school. Why does he care? You know, but that's a huge, you know, that's a huge component of it. It's really, if you walk it, like you talk it, you can't really, you know, fault anybody for making the bread, but maybe they give a lot to charity. Maybe they, I know they play a lot of, I know they play a lot of, I mean, this is a band that played some protests. You know, this is a band that like, you know, this is a, this is a meaningful band. I really don't think even with the clash, I don't think there's another band that is this that is this vocal about their beliefs and also this willing to put themselves out there for it, which we'll get into because there's some wild shit about them. True. And I agree. I agree. It's kind of like uh, it's like Ice Cube doing kids movies. Yeah, dude. He did Cop Killer and now he's playing a cop on Law and Order SVU. Oh, Ice-T, yeah. Yeah. 
Are you talking about Ice Cube? Uh, there's, there's so many ices. Yeah, there's so many ice guys. They're so I, cold. So cold. I can pinpoint the exact moment I heard Rage Against the Machine. I think I was 13 years old. My buddy Greg was uh, in like a rec hockey league in uh, in uh, in like Rockville, Maryland. And I'm you know I'm this young kid. I'm going to hang out with Greg, who's like two years older, and like all of the guys in the hockey league are older than him. But they were like cool. They're drinking beer. They're smoking pot, and they had like a boombox, and they were playing "Killing in the Name of." And I immediately stopped in my tracks and went up to them. And I was like, like, what is this? Like, I had never heard anything like it. The only thing that was remotely close to it was Epic by Faith No More, because that was another song that I feel really did a good job of combining rap and and rock and roll. And I love Faith No More. So I was like, I got to know about this band. And, you know, it just immediately became this obsession for me where, uh, you know, a couple years later, I'm in a band with uh, my buddies Tassos, Ben, and a few other guys, and we're covering Rage Against the Machine. We're doing uh, Bullet in the Head. We're doing Freedom. Um, and it, it's just it's just like, it just was so important to me at that time. And I don't think there's ever been like a better band to combine rap and rock. I mean, there's like, no. like who, like what, Limp Biscuit? That's, that's who they're going up against? Pretty good. I mean, <laughs> they're, not, good. they're not horrible. <laughs> I saw them live. I saw them live a few years ago on Mushrooms. Actually, it was the last concert I saw before uh, COVID was uh, Limp Biscuit at the Roxy. And I just was- They, they, they they're the best. <laughs> they're not the worst, but- Let me tell you something. And I might've said this before, like that concert was, when they were playing music, it was so good. But then when he would stop and like talk to everybody, like, and just, he was just like so yeah. bad in between songs that it just like would force me into like a bad trip. And then I'd start getting ready to freak out. And then he'd bring in with like Nookie and I'm like, okay, I'm back. And then I'm like, I'm dancing and hanging with Pauly Shore and fucking all the other. You guys want to, you want to delight in Los Angeles because he hosts a jazz night on Thursdays where he introduces like jazz players and they come out and do some stuff at a club in Hollywood. So Fred Durst sort of, is in yeah. jazz. Why well, he, he did not him. He just kind of comes out and goes, Hey everybody next up. Yeah, no. And, he, and yeah. And he bring he, yeah, he, he, he brings out, he has like a Yo, jazz get thing. The fuck up. Yeah. Then he goes, yeah. It's jazz. You're in the back. Yeah. I have, here's my rage story. You guys will dig this. Cause you guys are younger. This is the only thing good about being older is you get to have seen bands and shit. I did a jam. I did. Well, I mean, maybe still do uh, about 30, for almost 30 years this year at the kibitz room at Cantor's deli which is behind me in in los angeles so my friend brett Cantor, who sadly uh, was murdered but sadly passed away years ago he was an a and r guy and he knew every new thing that was happening and so he was the guy that was like smashing pumpkins are going to be huge this new coachella thing that's coming out this new i mean Lollapalooza, this Lollapalooza festival is going to be huge so one night we're at the kibitz and we're jamming and everyone's playing and everything and he goes i'm bringing in this new band and this is literally a bar that's like the size of, you know, like a, like a tiny little New York bar. And he brought in Rage before they'd ever gotten signed or anything. And I'm in a room with like, you know, 40 people. And we're talking about like on the level of them, like we're just standing there and I didn't get it at all. I was just like, I walked out of the room and I was like, I like hip hop. These guys are just yelling the same thing over and over 
and over and people went ape shit. I mean, we're talking about literally like you're you're standing next to them and they're just like, and I just did not get it. I was like, why? He's just chanting. There's a video online of them performing, I think around 92 or 93 in a record store in LA. And it's, it's kind of the same vibe, although it always makes me laugh thinking about like, because it's before they blew up and Zach De La Roca, he's pretty soft-spoken, like into the mic before he starts going. And he's like, hey, everybody, like, they've been nice enough to let us jam here. So like, you know, make sure you don't bump into anything and all right, we're going to have fun. And then it just goes straight into bomb track. And I'm just like, holy shit, <laughs> yeah. dude. He's, he must have like been talking to his coworkers or like where, like, you know, he must have like met people and be like, hey, my band, uh, we're going to do a show. And then it's just like, oh, down. <laughs> like, dude, you watch this shit. It's, it's a cool video to see them playing in a small venue. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They are, honest to God, one of the best concerts you will ever see. I've How seen many them, times have you seen them? I've seen them four or five times. So, so uh, first concert I saw with, uh, I don't know if you guys remember when Rage Against the Machine and Wu-Tang went on tour and so this is like 97 and me and my buddy, no, it was early 98 and me and my buddies camped out to get tickets where I got totally wasted and had sex with a girl uh, behind the waxy maxi on 355, which is like literally a highway. Uh, but we go to the show and I love this story because Wu-Tang opened for Rage. And I go there with my buddy, Mike Seidenberg and my buddy, Paul. And Seidenberg was kind of a nerd. He was into shekels. He was dead cat in, in my, my Jewish hip hop group. And Wu-Tang, uh, no, like I love Wu-Tang, man. I know we all love Wu-Tang, but their live show is straight butt cheeks, dude. It is 45 people on stage. They had, a, they had like a <laughs> six-year-old bro on, a, on stage with a mic that was louder than everybody's. Uh, the show was like just a mess. That was like 98. They probably, they yeah. couldn't find a midget. Everybody had a midget back then. <laughs> Everybody had a midget, but I mean, they were like, they were like, all right, we got this kid. <laughs> just, just, just get your nephew. He's small enough. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, but Wu-Tang does okay. And, and then Rage came out and it was totally worth the hundred dollars that we paid. I mean, for an hour and a half, just fucking leveled the venue. You almost forgot that Wu-Tang was there. And then my buddy Mike uh, went to the bathroom uh, in between <laughs> Wu-Tang and Rage and, uh, and he never came back. And we were like, what happened to him? And then we go to our car and he's got like a black eye and a bloody nose. He was just walking out of the bathroom and some black dude just punched him in the face and, uh, and he was too scared to come back to the seat. So, I mean, uh, you know, sorry, Mike. 
<laughs> Shouldn't have missed the show. Uh, Wait, did he identify the gentleman's race? No, 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 oh, no he no, he did. All the what? way home in the car, yeah, he identified the race, <laughs> yelling at the top of his lungs. I can imagine. Then I then I saw Rage Against the Machine with Gangstar in 1999 or 2000, and I mean, once again, it was one of the greatest shows that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's just an attack on you. And then, you know, it's, as time has gone on, it's like I've met uh, Brad, the drummer, and became friends with him. I became friends with Tom Marillo through my friend Ahmed Ahmed. And when I really knew COVID was real was when I was supposed to go see them live in El Paso. Uh, they were doing their first show back. It was going to be the first show on a border town like, and I had VIP backstage. I was going to go the day before Skankfest South. And, and when that got canceled, that was when I knew COVID was real. And it, it's just, I mean, this band is just a perfect, like amalgamation of every single thing that is dope that, that I love. They're, they're public enemy. They're the clash. They're minor threat and bad brains. And they honor every one of them equally. It's like the rapping is damn near perfect. Uh, the political views are, are apt and they're on point. And then when it rocks, it fucking rocks. And uh, we, I've said this a lot on the podcast, but this like is a perfect album of their genre of what they're doing. I don't think anybody has ever made a record that combines rock, rap, punk, political views, everything. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, that was, I think that was what, like, even in that, that old video, the video I was talking about them at a record store, like once he starts rapping, it's like, damn, this is 93. And this is how he sounds. Yeah. Like he was even like rapping very good for back then. Yeah. Like, well, the, you know. Well, I, this is what I always am curious of, like, you know, when people talk about MCs, like, does Zach De La Roca ever get put into the discussion as an actual hip hop no. MC? You don't think so? I don't think I don't think he does get put into the discussion. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Yeah. But it's like, no, I, I mean, until I even thought about it, I would have never. And I listened to To Rage before that. Yeah. And then I was watching. It, I was like, damn, he was rapping like this to 93. That was like five years away like after people were like clap your hands everybody you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, like, he like, was it was that's crazy what you well even even like in in faith no more like the dude you know that's still kind of closer to that you know that like you know fat boys style of rapping all right, let's go. Let's just get into the intro, Morty. Why don't you hit us with a little backstory? So released on November 3rd, 1992 on Epic Records and produced by Garth Richardson and the group. This is the debut album from the Los Angeles based alternative metal rap rock band. In 91, after guitarist Tom Morello's metal band Lockup broke up after one album, his drummer suggested he and drummer Brad Wilk, who had unsuccessfully auditioned for Lockup, jam with bassist Tim Comerford, and vocalist rapper Zach Della Roca to possibly form a new group. The band gelled sonically as well as in their desire to express their shared revolutionary ultra left-wing political views. Morello's inventive guitar playing, including emulating the sounds he heard on hip hop records and in addition to Wilkes and Comerford's solid and thundering rhythm section, De La Roca's vocals were a dynamic blend of whispered spoken word, machine gun rapping and brutal screams. As Morello described them, we were melding hard rock, punk and hip hop and I was the DJ. 
With the band completed, they needed a name. Della Roca had previously been in the hardcore band Inside Out, who were potentially going to name their unrecorded next album after one of his songs, Rage Against the Machine. The name perfectly fit their sound and mission statement. According to Tom Morello, the machine can be anything from the police in LA that can tear motorists from their cars and beat them to a pulp and get away with it, to the state capitalist machine that tried to make you just a mindless cog and sort of behave and never confront the system and just look forward to the weekend and the next six pack of beer. Within two months, they had written most of this album, were playing local shows and self-released a 12-song demo cassette. After a huge bidding war, they eventually signed with Epic Records, who offered them complete creative control and didn't ruffle any of their ideological feathers. While this debut, yeah, while this debut didn't get much airtime on MTV or radio, apart from the heavily censored single, it still went triple platinum and set Rage as pioneers of the nascent rap rock hybrid. However, by 2008 years and three more albums, countless political statements, protests, and headline-grabbing controversial events later, the band effectively broke up when Zach left due to creative differences. While a solo career hadn't really ever taken off like the rest of the band, they joined with former Soundgarden vocalist Chris Cornell to form Audioslave. Audioslave had three successful albums and tours before breaking up in 2007, the same year that Rage reformed. And by 2011, Rage took another break, and now all the members pursued their own careers until 2016, when Tom, Brad, and Tim put together Prophets of Rage with legendary which is Chuck which, D. Which is yeah. not fucking, it's not Rage at no, all. No, it's not. It's, I've and seen them live. they did some of their songs. Yeah. No, but I've seen them live, and it's just, it's just not the same, dude. It's like watching. It's almost backwards. In a weird way, it's almost like a backwards version of Rage, as if you took, like, the style of rapping that it that it sort of existed prior to rage and then put that in front of rage if you put rage after that it would sort of look like an evolution into that was what it felt like to me but the guys that were in the band were you know legends chuck d from public enemy be real from cypress hill and dj lord so profits uh, disbanded in 2019 which is the same year rage announced that they again would be reuniting for a world tour only to get postponed by COVID until next year, 2022. So, you know, hey, as of this moment, they're back together and they're going to be doing a world tour starting next year, according to their website. So you guys out there who are maybe just getting turned on to this for the first time, you actually have an opportunity to see the band that your friend got punched in the eye and missed seeing live. Oh my God, I'm going to bring Seidenberg back, dude. I'm bringing Shane. To. I'm going to bring Shane. I'm bringing you so we can go find the dude that punched him, bro. We can sure. go. We no, go. I can't. Oh yeah, you think I'm going to punch a black guy at a Rage Against the Machine concert? <laughs> yeah, good choice. <laughs> um, I, You know what? It's like, it, it's... I don't think I've ever been more excited for a band to get back together in my life. I, I, I am so stoked. Adam, you said you saw them live, right? I didn't get to see them the first time they were together, but then around like 2007 when they did like a summer tour headlining Rock the Bells, I saw them at Randall's Island in New York. And it was one of those bands that just always like eluded me getting to see them live. And like I could still picture the concert and I could still, it, it, to this day, it's the best show I've ever been to. Here's one more old person thing. So we used to rehearse at a place called Cole Rehearsal and like Kiss rehearsed there, like whatever, you'd be in a room. And I remember walking down the hall one day and I'm like, these guys sound just like Rage. Like, but I mean like a record of Rage. And he goes, oh yeah, Rage is in there. Cause they, they were in there and they recorded some of it for the next album in the actual studio, like the rehearsal studio. They sound, I mean, in a room with, you know, I mean, in a concert, I can understand you guys. 
these dudes sound exactly the same if you're standing next to them. Like it sounded just like the record. There was no fat. It was like, there's, when you listen to the record, you realize how little is there, how much air is in it. Cause it's just what you hear. There's not like 12 overdubs and nine guitar tracks. And it's just everything that's there is there. So that can, I can attest to even back then they sounded exactly like themselves you know, in a, outside Shane, of a rehearsal room. Shane, have you have you seen, because I know you like Ghost of Tom Joe, do you ever seen uh, Tom Murillo play with Bruce Springsteen? Like, not their version, but the original version. Uh, they've done it live in concert. And I have not. It is. Is there, see, this is, I, I'm pretty shitty when it comes to music. Like, I have a friend who's, like, never seen movies and he's just starting to see them. So you get to be like, yo, you've never seen like The Godfather? He's like, I've never, never heard of it. <laughs> never like, heard of it? What, wait till you see this thing. Like, that's kind of how I am with music. Like, I don't, and I don't know who's good when it comes to like, like, is, the, is, is their band good? They're good, right? It's guitar, they're like one of the better. Yeah. Or no. I, I would yeah, they're listen, very good. I would say, listen, I think, I think the best way to explain this band uh, is to say it's almost like they were created by the music gods because Brad's drumming is damn near perfect. It's a, it's rock, it's rap, it's everything equally. Uh, you know, Tim's bass lines are just as important as the guitar riffs and they're hummable and they, I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're, it's like, it's like they have like almost dueling, like, you know, uh, like two guitarists in a sense. And then Tom is a genius on guitar. I mean, the guy went to Harvard for Christ's sake. And, and I mean, is, is a master. Wait, of he went to Harvard. He went to not Harvard. For guitar, not for guitar. No, no, he no went, of course, he, but yeah, he had other he, things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he went to the machine. Dude, he, this, what's so great about Tom Murillo is that like, cause he's, you know, very politically minded and he'll like, people will try to call him out and be like, you know, I really like it. He'll put up a post on Twitter and people will be, he'll be like, he'll be like, he'll put up something very politically oriented on, on Twitter. And then some fan or somebody will say, Hey man, I don't like it when, you know, musicians try to like say shit that they don't know about. And then Tom just like suns them about like, Oh really? Well, you know, I did study political science at Harvard university. Most yeah, musicians I have, have a degree. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you stick to what you know? All right. Here's my diploma and my degree from Harvard. Damn. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely not a slouch. Yeah, he's he's a very inventive guitar player. You know, I mean, he, you know, early on because he's born in '64, so he's a little older than I am. Also, so he was in the first like metal wave of that stuff too, where you could you know where that shredding Van Halen sort of all that you know, and then you know once you hear hip hop, you you can either make the distinction of saying like I'm going to stay with metal. Like I'm going to stay with rock and roll. Like, or you go, what are those guys doing? What's a, what are those sound? What's that scratching thing? What's that cutting and scratching? And, and then he was just, you know, very, uh, you know, prescient to instill that sure. into his playing, you know, which is really impressive. Not a lot of people ever did that. They might've just done the pick on the strings and going, but he just took it and went, well, I can shred and I can pay homage to, you know, this new culture that's coming out. Yeah. All right, let's get some let's get some tracks in. Uh, all right, so it opens with bomb track. First song I want to talk about is uh, "Killing in the Name of" because it's it's track two. This is the first single. Uh, it's an it's for mostly it's an instrumental, but it opened their first show at Cal State Northridge, uh, which the video I think is online of it. 
uh, and it's inspired by Rodney King trial and rails against racist American institutions of power, specifically making a connection between the LAPD and the KKK. While it's comprised of only eight lines, it contains 16 fucks, one motherfucker, and it surprisingly didn't chart in the U.S. But this song has probably been covered by more people at the goddamn Comedy Jam than anybody. Uh, and it, I think it deserves it just from this part alone. Go ahead and play 423, bud. Fuck you, Rubble, do what you tell me. Fuck you, Rubble, do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. I mean, that is, imagine hearing that at least like 13 years old. And I mean, that is fucking mind blowing, dude. And not just because of the cuss words, because that's already making it cool. Yeah. I heard it in my 20s and I got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, dude. Was, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it it had a, you know, it it, it had a definite impact because you were also kind of blown away that you were just like, well, there it is. <laughs> you know, it's like, there it is. Fuck yeah. you, I won't do what you tell me. Morty, you have a, you have a pretty interesting fact about this song. This is pretty rad because uh, uh, besides how it was created, if you want to get into that, the late comedian Bill Hicks, who was sort of, you know, God of comedians, used to close his show with this, which Tom considered a badge of honor. But even weirder than that, this is the crazy thing about this. In 2009, so what you guys don't know, in the UK, you know that, you know, like American Idol, Simon Cowell, like that shit. So in UK, they have this thing called X Factor that Simon Cowell does. So every year around Christmas time, they get the number one spot and everybody has to hear whatever, like the popular, whoever's about to win that thing. So these fans of Rage go, nah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to lobby to get killing in the name to be the number one song at Christmas time, you know, the, um, just to get the song out there. So they go and they start this whole campaign. It beats for the first time in like five years, it beats Simon Cowell's thing. And they become the first single to reach uh, it becomes the first single to reach the UK Christmas number one on downloads alone. And it has the biggest one week download sales total in British chart history. So they rage went to England and played a show for them to uh you know to basically thank them for putting their song back in in 2009 back on the you know back in the in the height of thing and then they did a show where they actually said you're not going to curse right they're like no we're good we're just going to do the song and then they did it exactly like it was and they had to apologize to the audience that's one of the most badass things in the fucking because i mean god the fucking x-factor music is such garbage you know what i mean it's you to be talking about like ruben stuttered type shit yeah, but even worse, in England, it's like, you know, in a long, ooh, like, and it's always Christmas songs, so it's got to be the schmaltziest stuff or poppiest stuff available. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little 
a little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Um, all right, let's get to take the power back. Uh, so this is about the individual reclamation of power from being forced into passive conformity to the American dream or facing the threat of becoming an enemy of the state. Uh, It also makes a reference to the 1970s era radical militant organization, the Weathermen, whose goal was the violent overthrow of the U.S. government. I'd like, I, I want to overthrow the U.S. government. <laughs> Did you see that Owen Benjamin uh, is like bought property out in like Iowa and the guy who sold it to him is worried that he's going to turn it into like a ruby. What is that place? Ruby Red? Ruby Ridge. Yeah, he's going to turn it into a Ruby Ridge uh, <laughs> form of like military compound because that's what he's trying to do. Who's Owen? Nice. Who's this guy? Owen Benjamin was a comedian, a piano comic oh, okay. that uh, that has turned it into that is that's gone like super, super, like super alt right. Um, let me ask you a question, because Shane, speaking of taking the power back, like, you know, yeah, we've had a lot of guests that have gone through different situations. You, of course, went through one and and, mm-hmm. and a few years ago. But now it's like you're almost thriving more than you ever could have. Uh, from from something that you experienced. So, like, when did you first feel that you took the power back from that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Not yet. That would that was a lot of power. I got to get back. To, no, it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I never. I guess you just keep doing your thing. You know. Yeah. Instead of going Ruby Ridge, you got to just keep. I don't know. You get canceled sometimes. That happens. <laughs> sometimes you get canceled, bro. Yeah. I know. But I don't know. But I, don't I, know. I don't know. That's a tough one for me to honestly answer. Well, I feel like I feel like out of all this, I mean, with the with the stuff you're doing with McKeever and and working with all the Philadelphia people, it's like you've almost just doubled down on yourself and and have created something that I I think is like, I mean, some of the funniest sketches that people are putting out. Uh, right now, man, and it's it's yeah, incredible. Well, I was, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that all my friends in Philly were totally undiscovered for some reason, and uh, 
once I came up to New York and kind of got my foot in the door a little, it was easy to like, be like, Hey, check these guys out. Cause my whole, my whole squad's pretty good. So it's fun to, it's fun to just introduce all these incredibly talented dudes like at once. Now they were obviously, they had a comedy central pilot when I was doing open mics. Yeah. So like, it's not like I'm introducing them in that sense, but like, it's good. It, I mean, I, I have faith in my friends, so that's a nice thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to, I can't be genuine. <laughs> I don't want to be genuine at all. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. No, I'd say, I say I took the power back, man. <laughs> I'm trying to just take it back, baby. <laughs> uh, Morty, do you have anything to add? Yeah, sorry. Sorry. You're good, dude. No, no, dude, it's great. <laughs> Rage advocates for self-education to avoid being brainwashed by the Eurocentric views of schools and capitalist media. As an example, at some shows, Zach would intro this song by saying, the classroom is the last place to find the truth. So, yeah, so they're even rebelling against that machine. Yeah, they're rebelling, they're rebelling against a pencil sharpener. I, I would, I think, I, the, here's the thing, like, that's cool in 93. I think it's kind of, I don't think it's incorrect. I just think it's, like, played out. Like, I'm hearing people today, like, thinking that that's a unique thing to say. It's kind of annoying. Like people will be like, yo, did you know Christopher Columbus was bad? They didn't teach you that in school, did they? It's like, yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I don't even know what you guys learned. That's, that's a huge thing today with, you know, with school systems is that, you know, it's who, I mean, literally at this moment, there's this fight about, you know, the stuff that's going on, you know, with, with the retelling of history or who, you know, listen, history is told by the winners, of course, you know, and that's how they do it. And if you're the oppressor, you're not going to be like, Oh, and then we did a whole bunch of bad shit. So maybe start thinking about, you know, maybe start thinking of overthrowing us next time you're down by wall street. You're like, no, no, no. We've always been really cool. What about all those horrible things that you did? Don't worry about that. You know, we got you. Tobacco, know. Is right? that, you got the railroad. Is that, is that what the school systems are focusing on? I don't know. I, I majored in history in college and that kind of seemed to be all we talked about. Now, no, I'm saying is, but I mean, you know, when I grew up, you know, it was the same thing every year, Benjamin Franklin again. And then you know, and I was like, true. how many I mean, yeah. times do I got to hear Benjamin Franklin? I get it. Well, what kite, are you going to teach third graders about fucking genocide? Oh, I do. I, 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 I took my kid to that. Well, I'm Jewish. I have to. I have to be like, and then they took all of us out. All of us? Well, you're half Jewish. <laughs> yeah, I was like, don't, don't, don't worry about it. You can pass. You got blue eyes and yeah. blonde hair. I'm putting you, uh, I'm putting you in the, in the So then, in then the let me squad. ask you, like, what, like, how do you feel that they should explain this stuff? I mean, I don't think they should be explaining it to third graders, but I mean, you know, we, we kind of have to learn about the past to figure out how to not duplicate it again in the future. Oh, couldn't, couldn't agree more. I'm saying, I think, I think if you do want to study history, like if you go to college to study history, you're going to learn about it. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I was taking classes about how communism was good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, viewpoints, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think there are viewpoints and it, you know, I think there's so, sociological, philosophically, there are viewpoints of everything where, you know, the idea wasn't just originally to start something terrible. You know, the idea was to have a workable system, even capitalism, of course. you know, we've seen it terribly out of control right now, literally right this second. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm impressed with the history major stuff. I imagine by college, like what you're getting taught is a lot more, you know, w was a lot deeper and a lot more thorough 
than like, you know, my kid comes home and I'm sort of wondering, you know, cause you know, I mean, it's, I, I can understand it years and years and, you know, and I'm sure rage just feels the same way years and years of being taught one thing. And then, you know, a few years later, you know, Vietnam wasn't a good thing. You know, when I was in school, Vietnam <laughs> yeah. was still going on. When I was literally in second grade, they came in and went, Hey, today Vietnam ended. And I was like, huh? And I remember writing it on the board, Vietnam, and then going, well, that's over now. And I was like, wow, that's been going on almost my, my entire life. So it's like, I can't imagine, you know, look how many years it took for people just to be like, okay, we shouldn't have been there. Yeah, there's, I, I will definitely say that there's not a lot of history on Vietnam taught in schools. Definitely not. Uh, I think they're, you know, we'll probably see the same thing with Iraq. They're not going to start really teaching it. Cause that was another pretty major fuck up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know though. The, the oppression, the, the, you know, the genocide of the native Americans, you, you certainly learn about that stuff today. No, you're right. But yeah, whatever. That's, I'm not, it doesn't matter. No. Uh, all right. Bullet, <laughs> all right. Bullet in the head. Uh, I mean, honest to God, this is one of my favorite moments on the whole record uh, at 421. Do you have it? This is my question about how, like, I've covered that in my first band, LED, and you sing that chorus, you blow your vocal cords out, and then that's it on band practice. Like, that's a rap on it. And this motherfucker will do it in the beginning of his set and then still do another 10 songs at the show, which is insane. Like, his voice, and I've met Zach De La Roca at a coffee shop in Los Feliz, and he's the most soft-spoken person I have ever met in my life, just drinking a latte, reading fucking, you know, like a political science book, and it's just like, to get that kind of aggression, it's just, it's mind-blowing. Um, yeah, right. that guy rules, dude. He, he does rule. All right, written That's as, just crazy. So written as, right. written as a reaction to the U.S. claiming victory after the first Iraq war in 91, despite <laughs> staying... We did it, baby. Yeah, despite staying silent about the killing of innocent Iraqi civilians, it once again calls out the government's control of complicit media. As Zach said, this song is about being an individual, about searching and finding new information and using your strengths as an individual to attack systems like America who continue to rob and rape and murder people in the name of freedom. Go us. <laughs> All right, so my question to you, Shane, gun to your head, tell me the story of how you stole my joke uh, at the hair Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the whole story of it. No, it's an easy. I, first off, I didn't intentionally steal it. But no, one of the first times I actually the first time I ever met Josh, he was doing uh, open mics. He was just in town, did an open mic in Harrisburg, which is where I started. I was probably like a month or two into comedy, maybe a year. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Josh did a joke about like a mating call. <sighs> that was a hitter. I think it was <laughs> like in a Burger King. Maybe I'm wrong. Taco Bell. Taco Bell, yeah, dude, yeah, I dude. remember it. And I was in the back, like, I mean, it was just like hearing Rage for the first time. I was just like, yo, <laughs> this guy gets it, dude. <laughs> and then I was I was doing a show in my college, 
and in the middle of just bombing, I was just like, all right, I got this one in my back pocket. I just told Josh's, <laughs> just told Josh's joke. How did it go? I think it went well. I think that was the highlight of the night. I mean, but you're not like an act out guy. Like the whole part of that joke is like, you've got to like. No, I stole the premise. I stole the premise because my girlfriend was there and I was talking about like mating calls and I was like, I would put that out. And then she was up in the back and I was like, she would yell it back or something like that. It was, it wasn't a total verbatim ripoff, but it was, a, I mean, I stole it. Did you cop to it though? I mean, did you, did he find oh, out? No. Did like, you know, college first thing kids it, come back and go, dude, that's Josh's joke. Or were you like, yeah. dude, at one point no, I ripped. No, I, I just told, I just told Josh the first time I met him. Like again, oh, I was wow. like, I was like, yo, I stole that joke. <laughs> So, I mean, what do you want? It's not like I like recorded joke. it or kept doing it. Yeah. I did it like, once. Gosh, what, what are you working on now, dude? I want yeah, you, I, dude, you bring it back. We know it's funny, and I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say the name, but another comic stole that joke from me, and uh, I can pinpoint the exact moment. Watch me do it at the comedy store. Like I haven't talked to him about the joke. I was like, yeah, I got this thing. And I was like, I want to do it. And, and, you know, but the act out's kind of big. Do you have any advice? Cause he did a lot of act outs and he was like, nah, man, you just got to do that shit. And then I went up there and did it. You guys love act outs out there. It's we're, we're about the performance shame. You guys are such performers and artists, which is why I'm moving to New York. So I can combine the <laughs> performance of LA with the joke writing of New York. And then I will be the perfect amalgamation of rap and rock yeah. Hold <laughs> on. I do have a question. Was anybody else a good rack, rap rock band? Um, Ever? All right. So, so Limp Biscuit, Faith No More. Um, but is it like POD? You're a missing P- the big one. These, true. Are these the all white one. lead singers? Yeah. You're missing the biggest one of all, which what? sort of started Red, Boys. Hot Chili, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh. That's what, that's what essentially, that's what essentially. The, the original rock rap thing was Aerosmith with Run DMC. Run DMC. Rick Rubin did that. Shortly after, it was right about the same time that Chili Peppers are coming out. Remember the Chili Peppers at the time, there wasn't really anybody that was doing that kind of shit. You know what I mean? That's sort of like, out in the lane, we took a bath. Uh, but, but, but Morty, but yeah. they're not even, that's not good rap. It's like, it's a bunch of, you know, like as, as Big J calls it, it's California queef rock. And I, I think that's <laughs> apt, dude, because it's like, he's just saying gibberish. He's just like, you know, I'll put on my shoe and then you double do and coming right through with the hanging crew. We're gonna, it's like that shit that you were talking about, Shane. Yeah. The fucking, the fucking white yeah, people. Yeah, but do you, like ODB, do you like ODB? I love Old Dirty Bastard. Old Dirty, but no, 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 do not. You're allowed to have gibberish rap. No, no, no. He is a, that's who he is. Him and the Red Hot Chili Peppers are very similar. Fuck the Chili Peppers you, wasn't always, dude. You, it dude. wasn't always skibby dibby doo. I mean, it wasn't always that. There were just those songs on every record. All right, listen, and I, and I, I hear what you're saying, Shane, about Old Dirty Bastard. No, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm I know, just but, but this is the truth, man, is that Old Dirty Bastard, that is who he was. He was like mentally yes. unstable, like, and, and, and when he would, you know, would would rap like that it was so different from everything else in the group you know and listen i there are songs by red hot chili peppers that i dig uh there's songs that i'm just like this is terrible but i mean they're not a horrible band i I just think that i won't even put them in the discussion of of rap and rock i get it's more funk do you know what i mean they have that and adam brought up a good one the anthrax uh, yes yes dude that was that was but to their degree public enemy already had the song so yes. it was like they were doing a rap song that had already. Yeah, but been I'm done. I'm I'm asking if is there a r- rock rap band that also doesn't have a white 
front man. I think that's the big the kicker. Well, I think here's the usually, thing. Yeah. I, I blame Rage for body count because I think that Ice T saw Rage oh. and said, "That's what I want to do." And I never thought that they. It, it did never felt real to me. It always felt like somebody saw what the power of rock and roll versus having like a DJ behind you. The power of having like a rock band behind you and spinning. You know what I mean? And so that's it. I just never, I never really got that, that band body. body All right, let's get to know your enemy. Uh, so this is an anti-war and anti-authoritarian message that features tool vocalist Maynard James Keenan during the bridge and Jane's addictions drummer and uh, former 500 guest Stephen Perkins uh, playing additional percussion. Um, this is a great song, uh, but I want to talk about enemies. Um, let's talk about soda. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it right. Soda toe. Suck our dicks to all our enemies. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, t- bro. how did that catchphrase come up? And I was hammered and someone, and big J asked me to promote my podcast on Legion of Skanks. And I was like, it's fucking mad Shane secret podcast. Suck our dicks to all of our enemies. <laughs> <laughs> it just, and people were like, yeah, that was pretty tight. <laughs> well, yeah, that's all. Do you have do you have any specific enemies? Yeah, of course. No, I mean at the time for sure. I mean any any comedy. I don't know comedy scenes. I, I seem to be somewhat polarizing in them. And uh, when I was in Philly, half the comedy scene hated me. Why is that? I moved to New York. Why did they hate you? Because you're so I Philly. Think, no, I'm not. That, I mean, they were all. You know, it's like the alt scene, like the kids that are like. Uh, you know, went to Penn and then now decided to fight the power via improv. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that shit. It's yeah. fucking gross. Um, yeah, they're trying to rage against the machine, bro. But they're not doing it correct. They're not coming correct, bro. Uh, and then in New York, yeah. I mean, it, in New York, it was pretty quick. I mean, I got canceled like right away. And then uh, people pick sides. It was, a, it was just like anything right now where it was like, you got to pick a side and you got to be on that side. Yeah. And uh, so I moved to New York from Philly. And in one year, I got SNL. And then um, I got canceled right away. I mean, you know, I got canceled, whatever. However you want to say it. I had consequences. However yeah. you want to say it, I don't care. Right, right. But wasn't yeah, there one dude? Wasn't there one person that sort of spearheaded that bullshit? I mean, not to say. I mean, however it went down. Yeah. Well, he's he's a there's a kid who's a journalist that like he's fighting the power. Also, he's real. He's fighting for the people. He's a communist. I think he went to Penn. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, yes, and yeah, he he's another Ivy League communist, and uh, he. Yeah, he was always going after SNL, and then, I mean, I think somebody, in fact, I know, like, an improv kid from Philly sent him the clips of me saying fucked up things immediately, because those kids hated me, too. And the last thing any improv kid wanted to see was me get SNL, which is all of their dream. Yeah. You know, that's what they're all working for. So when they saw me get it and go straight to cast, I think they were pretty bummed out. Yeah. Dude. Suck but that our, happens. Suck our dick to all our enemies, dude. Yeah, now you just keep moving, and uh, I still, you know, I, I'm doing well. You're doing great, dude. 
I'll sell more tickets than any of them combined. Absolutely. And and the one thing I have a question with SNL, because I always think of it as like a show where people do a lot of like characters and a lot of impersonations and stuff. You coming on as a stand-up comedian, because it's the always thing that always blew my mind is most people I always go like, so did you walk in and go like, I have like this trove of stuff? Because I know from what I know from you now, it's, you know, it's stand-up. You're a solid you know, rock solid standup. Well, but I always go like, do Morty, they put you through paces? If, no, but Morty, if Shane, and I mean this sincerely, dude, because I, I, every time you drop a new sketch, I, I send you a message and I'm like, dude, it's, it's, they're great. And if you could have done, if you would have done the Trump dating thing on SNL, that would have been the biggest sketch they had done this year. So, uh, you know, we, yeah. it's like, we talk about power. It's like, I'm serious. It's like, you know, we, we got to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons. And it's like, you've honestly taken that format of doing sketch from somebody that wasn't doing sketches prior and you're doing it at the highest level, which I think is even better than a lot of the shit that's on SNL. Not saying it's all bad, but sure. you, you know sure, what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. There's, you know, they have a lot of restrictions, including being live, being censored, you know, all that. Now, granted, they have a writer's room and they they work on it 24-7. We, me and my friends just sit down and we're like, what if we did this? <laughs> um, but, well, that's, I don't mean to take away from McKeever's writing. He's, he's you know, great. obviously he's a beast. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I forget the original thought I was going for there. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yes, and? I just think, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think Philly guy, if you would have done anything Philadelphia related on that show, you would have blown up Pennsylvania and shown everybody oh, yeah. how, how ridiculous of a state it is, but also how awesome and how funny it is. It's funny. I was talking to Schultz last night and he was like, I, th- he was, he, I guess he watched mayor of East town and was like, yeah, that's Pennsylvania is going to be the new Boston as far as accents everybody makes fun of. And I was like, for sure. It's it's such a funny accent. We've been doing that. I mean, that was that was the yeah, first bro. connection because you're he's from like Mechanicsburg and my and Morty and my my mom and my dad are from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is like literally right next to yeah. one another. And I didn't realize that accent until I moved to Baltimore and then I started hearing it and I was like, oh, the Baltimore accent's interesting. And then me and Ryan Sickler started making fun of that. And then that and then we run into the Scalar brothers. They start talking about Philly guy. And then you're like, holy shit, this is the exact same accent. Yeah, Philly and Baltimore. Yeah, you have the news. My whole family's yeah. in all my East Coast, my mom's side of the family. So, oh, Morty, are you still dating that girl? Oh, <laughs> we're going down to the harbor. We're going to go down the ocean or whatever the fuck you guys say. Yeah, right? down, a, down a shore. Down, down a shore. shore. Oh, we're all going to go down a shore. Yeah, we're going to Wildwood. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, yeah, what? Go down to Wildwood, down by the I shore. Think, yeah, I, I have a shot now when I talk to people and I hear it and I just go, you're either Philly or you're Balmer. I don't Balmer. know Nobody says Nobody <laughs> says Balmer. We say Baltimore. Bald more. Balmer is like. like the to attack Harry Potter. It's just like the, then we talk about Boston. Yeah. They're like, go to the cat. Like nobody says it like that. It's just there's there's a little R. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny. You're gonna want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians. Everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. All right. 
let's, yeah. let's move on to all right wake up is in the movie the matrix i i honestly think that's one of the coolest uses of music in a film uh in an already badass film um fistful of steel is hands down uh like an incredible song township rebellion but let's get to freedom because this song changed my fucking life It's a it's a perfect song, man. This is a perfect song to end the record with. I think it is the best song on this record. Uh, there's a funny video going around right now on like TikTok of like this guy. Yeah, I saw that. You saw that, yeah. And it's like, yeah. I mean, there's nothing like this in 1993. There is nothing, dude. I literally I smile when I hear that. Like the free, like when he starts screaming, it's like holy shit, dude. It's wild. It's it's insane. Now imagine seeing that live. Imagine seeing that in '93 for the first time. Nice, yeah. Like I mean, did they do that, Morty, when you saw them perform at the Kibitz Room? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. He yelled a lot. I can't tell you which one he did. I don't think it was this one yet. It was probably Killing in the Name, because there are a couple of those that were on. Remember their demo that they put out? Mm -hmm. Some of the shit that's on this album came exactly from that demo, like untouched. Yeah. From that yeah. twelve-song demo, like they moved them directly over to it. So like. They were pretty fully formed. I think that by the time people, anybody heard them play outside of the rehearsal room, you pretty much got this. Yeah. All right. So this is about the illusion of freedom given to U.S. citizens by the government, media, and corporations. The video for it focused on the case of American Indian movement leader Leonard Peltier, who was very likely framed by the FBI for the 1975 Pine Ridge Indian Reservation shootings of two agents. Um, I, I remember this. I remember the music video. I mean, there's something I just, I just realized as I was reading that is that like, it's like, imagine how many, uh, you know, causes and movements and like, you know, historical hiccups, I guess, you know, that, that rage against the machine has like kind of introduced to so many people. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, with Pelt besides Peltier, you know, when he when they would play this live, Zach would change the end to freedom for Mumia, Mumia Abu Jamal, who was an activist journalist, former death row inmate, who had a, a case very much like Leonard Peltier's. Did you he know, die like or they, is he did he get released? Uh, no, I think uh, I I don't remember. No, I think Mumia is still in jail, if I'm not mistaken. And it's another one of these things where these are people. This isn't just like they probably didn't do it, or there's like pretty conclusive like Peltier's. The whole thing was like the only person they got to testify against him was like a little nuts and recanted. And they found all these, you know, they found all this stuff in it. And it's even to this moment, the people we see on the news, when you watch now, there's people that are like, you know, you're in jail and they're like, oh no, they found out they didn't do it. And a judge will still say no. And you're like, how the fuck? Yeah. It's done. Like, <laughs> I, I don't remember understand. That. But I remember you DNA. Like it's done. Like you let him out today. No, I remember that. I remember that for sure. All right, Shane, what was your worst run in with the, with the law? Mm. <laughs> uh, nothing bad. I got an underage. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I never, yeah, I don't, I don't fuck around. Never got a DUI. I never did drugs until like the last two years. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, just got into Coke. It's good. <laughs> I'm going to give it a run. You know what the 70s are about now? Yeah, that's about, by the way, that's about a two year into Coke thing to say. Yeah, true. No, no, no. Hit, hit me I up have, in about four more. No, I have already. I've no, I already know, reached. I know. I know. I've reached the limit on it, dude. I've, <laughs> it's too dark, dude. That shit gets too sad. Oh my yeah. god, man! The first like the first like two or three times I did it, I was like, dude, I, I'm gonna just keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then like just after a rough night of it, it's just like I'm. Take, not, take I'm my do- take my suggestion. Don't do it. Don't do it. Trying to match exotic dancers line for line. Because you'll find yourself still not getting anywhere with them and laying in your bed going, I wish this would stop and my heart, oh, I didn't hear. Yeah, is there was, any yeah. feeling worse <laughs> than worse. the sun coming up and you're laying there just like, I think I'm definitely dying. And yeah. uh, Who well, can I call? Mom. I Mom, deserve this. <laughs> I love you. If I've ever done anything bad, please just know I didn't mean it. Yeah. What I used to do was at the end of the night, you know, because this is like all Baltimore. I stopped doing it right before I moved to Los Angeles because I got my third DUI December 8th, uh, <laughs> 2006. Yeah, dude, no wonder you hate the machine. <laughs> <laughs> but I got like nothing for my three DUIs, dude. Like I I really lucked Sick. out. I missed everything. But that third one, I was like, I got to stop. Before that, oh, actually, no, then I moved to Los Angeles. And for the first two months, I did a bunch of coke and was working on keeping up with the Kardashians. And I would like I would I would do blow all night. The best was when, dude, this is this is where I basically learned how to how to come down off a coke, which is like you get home at like nine in the morning. You'd have a little bit of coke left. You would do that. But then you'd also pour like a big glass of fucking whiskey up to about here and then just a little dash of coke and you chug two of those. And then then you go on MySpace and you just leave comments (laughs) on people's walls in all caps being like, I miss you so much. And then eventually you just start getting wobbly and then you just lie on the bed and then you wake up feeling like butt cheeks. Oh, oh. A lot of fun. That's tough. That's a lot of fun, man. I, I, you know what? It's like, I don't miss it, but I miss it. It's fun when you just, you don't give a fuck when you were like in your twenties. No, it's fun while you're doing it. And then as soon as the party's over, it's just like, you know, I bet people look back on jail and probably find something fond to remember. But I mean, I, I'm glad <laughs> to be out of it. You know, they're like, well, listen, you know, we played spades. The, we yeah, had sour mash. <laughs> yeah, sour mash was bad. Not all the rape was terrible. You know, there's a couple of guys that were delicate. Right. Yeah, a couple of guys yeah. really gave me it. <laughs> Knocked me loose. <laughs> uh, Morty, you got some facts? Oh, we got a whole bunch. Okay, so the cover of the album. So those, I saw this for the first time because I, you know, like I said, I heard it. I was at like a store on Sunset and I saw the cover of this album. And this is a very striking cover for those that don't know. It's this Pulitzer Prize winning photo of the Vietnam, Vietnamese Buddhist monk, Thich Duong Luc. Thich, yeah. Yeah, Thich Duong Luc who burned himself to death in self-immolation to protest the oppression of Buddhism by Prime Minister Nyo Dinh Diem. Um, it's a striking, what they cut out is they cut out the gas can right next to him. But here's a dude. So if anybody thinks it's, it's not a real photo, the guy actually poured gasoline on himself and set himself on fire to protest. It's, yeah, it's an it's a incredibly striking album cover when you see it, you know, and it's, and it's uncompromising. I mean, you're watching a dude killing themselves on the cover. I mean, that's what you're literally looking at. 
And the dude, I've seen the video of it. He's just perfectly still. But no, he's not moving. Yeah. Yeah, that would have really defeated the purpose, though, if he got up and started (laughs) running. (laughs) Also, imagine imagine if, like, uh, someone tried to take the picture and was like, I'm sorry, I I have, like, I'm an Android guy. I don't know how this works. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they just missed it. (laughs) The worst part is he put a filter on, and now he's puking a rainbow. Yeah. 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 So here's here's another one. At the Philly concert, you'll like this one. At the Philadelphia concert, you know, Lollapalooza was a tour before it was just the two big ones. Mm -hmm. At the Philly concert in 93, as a protest against censorship organization, the Parents Music Resource Center, which you guys, Tipper Gore at the time, before he was the president, you know, his wife, um, or before he was vice president, I'm sorry, Al Gore, his wife started this this Parent Music Resource Center that they, so to protest it, the band goes on stage and each one of them has a different letter on their chest, PMRC, and they're absolutely naked with duct tape over their mouths for their entire set, like 25 minutes standing there making this statement. It got in Rolling Stone, it got in everything. But the interesting thing about it is, you know, they, they absolutely are idealists, but it also covered for the fact that Zach had blown his voice out and wasn't going to be able to sing. Oh. So it ended up doing two. It ended up doing like a really great cover of like, you know what we're going to do tonight? Cause you can't sing. We're going to go on stage naked and we're going to protest this movement. People are like, it got them more headlines mm-hmm. doing that than if they had just performed their set. I don't know if you Not that that's why they did it. Think about think about being the band member with the smallest dick, and then everyone's uh, like, "Yeah, this is what we're gonna do," and you got to be like, "I don't know, fellas." <laughs> it's, uh, can we do co- can we do cock socks? Can we do yeah. Rage Against the Machines doing? I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers doing cock yeah. socks. I was in a band at the time, and I absolutely felt like stress. I saw that, yeah. and I went, "Oh my god, what if I was ever asked to be naked on stage?" You know, it's we did not, it. it's just forever. We did, it. we did it at the goddamn comedy jam with Burt Kreischer. We did, we covered Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, give it, it away. Socks are naked. We did cock socks, but dude, all of our yeah. balls were falling out. Like we had to tape them on or rubber band them. Burt, it's dude, I'll post the pictures of all of this. Like Burt's like, just, I mean, he is. He like, goes for it. He's at his full fattest. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, the, what was great was the, the violinist guy, uh, he just had such a little tiny pud. It was like oh, it was disaster. Just disaster. Yeah, the he dr- has the smallest instrument. He can't like cover it with a violin. Yeah, Joel like, at least. I wish I played cello. Joel at least could cover it with the bass. You know, Nick's behind the drum set. You know, right. Jeremiah's got the saxophone that he just rode kind of low, like he was James Hetfield playing guitar. Right. Me, on the other hand, you know, I'm doing CrossFit, so of course I'm all in. I'm like, I'm like, just, just you were owning the, the moment, v. dude. You did it for the V. Huh? And then I kept, and then I kept going. Like I, and I kept going. It was your idea. It was your oh, idea. Yeah. No, oh, it was yeah. Bert's idea. Yeah, it was your idea. It was. What song did he do? I said, "Give it away" by Red Hot oh, Chili give Peppers. Give it away. Give it away. Yeah, and and like, and then I brought up the next comic. There's a really great picture of me by Matt Masisco from shot from the back. Dude, my butt cheeks are on fleek, dude. They're like, it's it's good, but it's like you just see the people in the front row just are so uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, all right. Did you stage dive naked? No, God, no, God, no. That's I mean, <laughs> can you imagine that dude? Oh, just I'd like, be yanking oh, that stock right oh. off, dude. You would have taken the sock. I was in the crowd. I'd be stealing the sock and just be like, <laughs> and just let hilarious. me and let me be naked and touched by a yeah. bunch of strangers. <laughs> oh, dude, no. <laughs> 
And then also Tim Cumberford uh, during the. That's that was rad. During, do you know about this, Shane? Yeah. Which one's this? So so at the MTV Music Awards, the year that uh, Sean Wayne's and Marlon Wayne's hosted. So at like the height of like scary movie for you know, so they were hosting. They were hosting. And yeah. and it was and if you watch that episode, I remember watching that MTV Music Awards and being like, this is a fucking shit show. Like it was, you know, the jokes were just like super aggressive. I mean, they're funny, but it was like it was basically like scary movie version of the MTV Music Awards. And Limp Bizkit and Rage were nominated for like best hard rock thing. And uh, Limp Bizkit won. And so Tim. Yeah. Tim yeah, fuck you, dude. It's so funny. Dude. It's so funny. And Tim, Tim, the bassist from Rage, like was so drunk that he climbed. Uh, he got on stage, went behind Limp Bizkit and then climbed this sculpture uh, that was oh. behind them and then just stayed up there and was like rocking it. And some say that was the, the moment that Zach was like, I'm done with this band. Yeah, because he was so embarrassed Why? by because he was embarrassed by. Yeah, I don't listen. I don't want to put words in the idea, but I just remember reading something about that, that he was like, man, like that was basically it was the, a spectacle. Yeah, it was, it was a, spectacle. a lot. It wasn't there was no like it wasn't like there was like a protest like he was like against. OK, it, so or Zach, came out like, you know, this is so bullshit, you guys, man. Yeah, you think Zach left or they broke up because of uh, they weren't keeping it real anymore. They had lost their way and Zach was still trying to. Is that what you guys think? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I, I, yeah, I had, not. well, here's the thing is that here's the thing, Shane, not that, speculate. I, I had, I've, you know, I've, I've talked to Tom about it and it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't really want to get too deep into, yeah, you know, course. because they're going, they're going it's back. Their business. And they're going to be honest with you. I think the legend of rage against the machine is almost better if they, cause it dude, let's say they stick together. Right. And so from 2000 until 2021, they put out more records and, you know, like a lot of artists, sometimes their music doesn't, doesn't hold up. It doesn't, they, they change in a certain way. And it's like, all right, now you're trying to be like what's popular right now. Like this band, I think rules because they only had three records and all three are perfect albums in this genre. So, I mean, it's like I said about, I always say it about Nirvana, like Nirvana's the legend of Nirvana is that they have three records. That's it. No more music. And like, who knows what kind of music it, it could have gotten super lame. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I also, I think it's a good point to bring up that like, as time went on, like this was, we're talking about an album in 93. It's like, dude, fighting the power in 21 is pretty fucking mainstream. Yeah. Like it would have cut, dude, imagine if they like performed at like Hillary's, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it would have, they would have been just full Democrat party. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. All right, you got another one, Morty? Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we got a real quick ones. First of all, did you guys know that Brad played Brad Wilk, the drummer? He actually uh, he was in a band called Bad Radio with a pre Pearl Jam Eddie Vedder, and he actually auditioned. Besides auditioning for Lock Up with Tom Morello, which is where he sort of came into 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 that world. Oh wow! He actually auditioned for Pearl Jam, also prior to that, and he didn't get either of them. So it's kind of interesting. I think it worked out in both in their favors. World. Yeah. Right. So, okay, another machine they reportedly raged against. They, uh, this I, this could be apocryphal, but I read this, so maybe it's true. They had a 79 Chevrolet tour van that was constantly breaking down, and it was jeopardizing them getting to gigs or early careers. When they finally could afford something nicer, they took sledgehammers and beat the shit out of it. 
So I thought that it was, was kind of sad, man. I feel yeah. bad for the van, dude. That did somebody like well, a you know, had a good. It had, they probably buried it and like did like some kind of Norse wedding, you know, thing, and they and yeah. they recycled it. Now it's came back. Imagine just like driving by and seeing them doing that. Yeah, <laughs> like is that? Are they? <laughs> yeah. Are they actually? <laughs> Notice they only beat up an American car. There you go. All right, yeah. what's the last one, dude? Here's the last one, which is uh, interesting. They've been eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame since 2017. Uh, a lot of people, you know, there's bands that are, are always uh, that are eligible and then people are like, why do they keep getting shut out? I think even one of the years they weren't even put up for the, you know, put up to maybe win. Mm -hmm. But once again, this year they haven't been there. So an unlikely, I guess maybe an unlikely supporter is Gene Simmons, who himself, Kiss, had been held out from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for decades so he just he posted a, a tweet recently when they didn't get the last one and said that their omission because of the omission the hall should be ashamed of itself which i think is you know pretty heavy for somebody like that to yeah, come out for you definitely he's such a huge fan of kiss when i went to go see kiss at the whiskey uh tom did the intro at the show for them. And that was where I actually met Tom for the first time. And, and cause I had heard there's a band. I don't, I, I know, you know, him, Morty, but there's a band uh, called gang of four. That right. is, if you listen to that record and Andy Gill's uh, guitar playing, like it's, you can hear the influence on Tom Murillo and his guitar playing. And so when I saw Tom sitting alone after the show and people had kind of cleared out, I went up to him. I was like, Hey man, I hate to bother you, but, and he's like, no, nah, man, he's kind of like ignoring me. And I was like, how influenced by, by gang of four are you? And it was like, his eyes like opened up and he was like, no, sit down, dude, because this is like the exact thing I want to fucking talk about. And you can hear kiss, you can hear everything. So, well, let's not forget that you, me, and Matt Pinfield saw a Gang of Four, and Tom was Tom there. was there. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. yeah it was uh, us and Shepard Ferry. We uh, saw the last, yeah, the last Andy Gill show before him. Mean, he's recently passed away in the last year, year and a half. Guitar player, but yeah, you got a photo with him. I did, and he he looked like he did not want to be taking the photo with me. <laughs> it is it's an old British guy just fucking and me just feet. like yeah, doing like duck lips oh. and shit, like a little fucking biatch. <laughs> Shaney, uh, who are you surprised to find out that's a big supporter of yours? Oh man, um, I don't know if I should name them. <laughs> Is that, is that what I was going to ask? I don't know if it's you. good to be named as a supporter of mine. But did anybody come to you and say, listen, I'm, I got your back. You just don't tell anybody? Yeah, for that's sure. Fuck. Yeah, that's a lot of people. A lot of people, which was really annoying, would like bash me on social media and stuff. And then I'd see them in person. And they were like, oh, sorry about that. And it's <laughs> like, well, you're a young that. guy. This is the beginning <laughs> yeah, of your yeah, career. Yeah, yeah I This just isn't started. like Andrew Dice Clay after he had already established and came on and then they cancel whatever you call it, you know, sure. or any of these guys that, or Louis CK who, you know, have had it. That, I mean, there's no denying his career up until that point. You're yeah. like right at the beginning, like your name I is synonymous. So, yeah. So everybody, everybody was very comfortable shitting on me. Yeah. Cause you know, they didn't, they don't know that I could be good, you know? So then if I do get good, they're going to all have to be like, Oh, Sorry. And it's, you know, it's almost the same thing with like Louie, where you see now that he's coming back, people are like, well, maybe we were a little harsh on him. It's like, oh, yeah, you pussies. Yeah. If he would have if he would have stayed canceled, you'd be like, piece of shit. 
Yeah. That's how these people operate, man. But I do feel bad. I feel like I, I was anti rage against the machine in this a little, and I want to make it very clear. They do rule. They rule, dude. I knew we, They're I, the best. listen, they I, do. They rule. I knew that you, I, I knew that you believed that they ruled. Yeah. I, the thing I think I have a tough time with, and it's not them. I'm just placing my own anger on phoniness onto them. You know what I mean? Well, explain I that. I don't think they're explain phony. Explain that because like, I've, I've heard you talk about it. It's like, what do you consider phony then? Phony? Phony. Uh, What's phony? Phony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, black squares on your Instagram for Black Lives Matter. Phony. Yeah. Depending on who did it, depending on who did it and why they did it. You know, we're all we're in a we're in a culture now. This is again. That's why I was like ninety three. These guys doing that it was crazy. Ninety two, even yeah, it goes back ninety two. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy they were doing it back yeah. then. But like now, like it's not impressive. Like all this, like go to Pride Week or Pride Parade. It's going to be sponsored by Deutsche Bank. Yeah, right. it's going to be sponsored by Bank of America. It's like you're talking about the performative is, aspect. Exactly. That's all. I that's need all. you Phonies. to know that I'm into this. Today, yes, and then tomorrow, yes. back back at him telling tar. Well, it, it was you know when all when everything you, when everything over the summer started happening, it was just like it became this you know this I want to call it cool thing, but it was like everybody was just like you felt pressure. You felt pressure for sure. You felt pressure. It's like I have to say something. Yeah, you, you can't know? if you didn't if say you anything. Did, if you're people- silent. That's just as bad. It's like no, that's not the case. Don't do that. I've been I've been thinking about that lately. It's like, am I getting dumber, or is everyone I'm around suddenly an expert on fucking everything? Yeah, there's no humility when it comes to like I genuinely don't know. I have no fucking idea. And then when That's, you look into stuff, yeah. there's usually an argument on the other side of whatever you think you know. You can usually find a pretty decent argument to counter it, and you just hope you don't run into that person because they'll fuck you up in an argument. Yeah, I, I think. I think that what has made you know the internet is the best and the worst thing that's ever happened to mankind because all the information is there at our fingertips. And yet then you have social media, which just pollutes all of that because people don't want to believe the truth because there's a strong case for the, for alternative facts. And then there's, you know, it's just, you're getting all of these voices into this, this, you know, there's no filter. It's just being pumped onto this page and anybody can read it. And if you click on it right or wrong, there's going to be page after page explaining why it's right. And the other person's wrong and not everybody deserves a voice and not everybody, you know, is an, is an expert on this. And it's, I'm telling you, man, you know, the internet is, it's something's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be in five years or 10 years or even 20 years, but if there is a downfall of the, of, you know, of mankind and, and civilized society, I think it starts on the internet and it already kind of is. Yeah. But to bring it back to, to rage. Yeah. I think that's what, that's what I always kind of, I don't know. Whenever I hear people today say the things they were saying, I'm like, all right, yeah, shut up. You know? Yeah. Does that make any sense? It makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Where they're like, yeah, did you know the FBI and they fucked with black civil rights leaders? It's like, yeah. Why do you guys think you're brave? Like, all of a sudden, everyone's like, yo, did you know America's pretty bad? It's like, yeah, it's a fucking empire. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's it it, is. And yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out that, you know, 
it's very difficult nowadays to even say anything bad about America without seeming like, you know, you're on the other side of a coin. Like, like we're allowed to say things aren't always great. And as you said, Vietnam. Yeah. It's That's actually pretty good for an empire. Yeah. We've done pretty good. Yeah, believe it or not. I mean, we, there's some, there's some hiccups, but there's we've bad. There's some bad. There's some bad. A lot of but, bad. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, it's, I mean, for the most part, I'd like to believe that the people in charge and the, that are making the decisions are trying to do it, you know, to, to, uh, to better the world. Damn, but I like this. I like the end of a raging machine, raging <laughs> machine podcast being like, you know what? I think the guys in charge have our best interests in heart. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to love this if they ever listen. Right, By the way, Josh is, Josh is trying to get SNL for next season. <laughs> no, keep that. You got to keep yeah. that in. Yeah. Uh, Don't let Josh yeah. censor history. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do, let's do some quick questions and then we're out of here. Okay. Uh, favorite song on the record chain. Bomb tracks. Pretty cool. Bomb tracks, dope. Uh, I mean, obviously, Killer in the Name of is iconic. The number one. But yeah, I like the beginning when you just put the album on and that that fucking bass at the beginning starts and it's just like, damn. It's just, I mean, it's just a perfect way. A little funk, bro. A little funk. Just a perfect way to open the record to kind of, it's like their thesis statement of what you're about to get for the next 45 minutes. Yeah. All right. Least favorite song on the record. Uh, What's the one like Suicide? You go. You probably like it. We just was that, a, that was um oh uh, the, one, the uh, Township Rebellion, right? Or the no, one no, no. I got no, a nine aside. Is that it? No, it settle was, for uh, nothing. Settle for nothing. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a suicide. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So cheer up, bro. <laughs> uh, what song on this record would you fuck to? Me? Yeah. Oh, dude, I would fuck to any of these. But what you got to put one on. Uh, I mean, freedom would be pretty funny because she's tied up. Because <laughs> that's what she's yelling the whole time. Just freedom. <laughs> All right, and last question: uh, Does this record deserve to be on the 500 greatest albums list? I would imagine absolutely. I haven't seen the other riffraff on there, but yeah, it's got to be. What's it ranked on this thing? Three sixty-five. Oh, nice. And yeah. who's – give me some – if you guys had the to – The next record is The Doors, L.A. Woman, and then the compilation Substance by New Order and then Smashing Pumpkins. And then right before it, we did Johnny Cash, uh, the American recording, his uh, first Rick Rubin one from right around the same time, a couple years later. I would probably oh, yeah. rather listen to Rage over all of those. Yeah. I, the placement on this list is like it, – it's – it's sometimes there's because there's records that you know are coming up in like 10 or 15 records that you're just like really this beat out rage i feel like rage was way more important to you know people our age you know that that were just living in that grunge era and then you suddenly have this that comes out and it's totally different you know for me it, it is in my top 20 records of all time you know, and it deserves to be. It's just, it's, it's such a powerful record. It's, it, you know, I, it, it, I think it made a lot of white guys think they could rap. You know, I think, yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's any DeShekels, which is the all Jewish hip hop group I was in. If this record doesn't come out, man, this and Wu Tang for real. It's inspired DeShekels. It, ins I, I, I don't know. The, the problem is, is I could never rank. I told you, I grew up in the middle of Pennsylvania. My, I was only raised on like pop 
and the radio. I mean, my dad listened to Motown. I had that growing up. But if I had to rank like my top, I mean, like get rich or die trying would be like top three. Really? Dude, I don't know. What would you, what do you go? Look at the judgment in his face. Yeah, fuck you, Josh. (laughs) When 50 Cent's record dropped, dude, that was like, I mean, I was DJing like middle school dances. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, his mixtape. Yeah. I got, I had burnt CDs. Yeah. Like early so I could burn CDs. And then I had, you know, LimeWire straight into uh, Spotify. I had Spotify in like 2011 or 12. Like I had it like right away. Yeah, so I've had that since I was like 24. I never had time to listen to an album. You can just pick whatever song you want on earth and just listen. You don't have to listen to a full album. I never had to do listen you, to albums. Yeah. Do you ever remember Netflix actually sending out discs? I do. I do. Oh, dude, but, okay. Uh, I just want to see how old. I'm I didn't. I, no, I you don't know Blockbuster sister, Video, they, though, right? Of course I do. I don't know. Okay, yeah, I, don't do do. I, I was a little kid. I was a little kid. I, renting a video game was like the highlight of my okay, life. Okay, okay. That shit was wild. <laughs> then you had to return it. Oh, that was the worst. What a you nightmare. Only, you only get it for two days. You barely get into the yeah, game. My, my bitch-ass parents complaining about late fees, dude. Late fees are like four bucks, dude. Take the charge for your son. Here's one thing you've never Here's one thing you've never had to do. Rent porn ever. No. I don't even think you had to, Josh. Yeah, did you ever? You weren't. Yeah, did. did. You? I've rented but porn. Shane from, I, I rented porn from Captain Video. Captain Video was like the that was like the dingy uh, VHS DVD store, the, the Sugarloaf Mountain Shopping Center. I I can say this truthfully. I don't think I've ever spent a single dollar on porn. ever. God ever. bless can, your soul, dude. I you talked about ne- that the other day to somebody, and I said this generation will never ever understand paying for porn yeah. ever, ever. I still I still was raised at a time like we 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 found porn at my one friend's house. Oh yeah, and that was like we just tossed it around the fellas, dude. That we ran a train on that tape, oh, dude. That's the bus motel, dude. The, the, the boys ran a train on it. Sometimes <laughs> together, sometimes as a group. Oh. Sometimes we, had, sometimes the fellas had fun, dude. Dude, the, the porn swap was was great. I had a couple buddies that one of us would get a new video. He'd go, he'd make the trek to the Captain Video to buy from like their discounted porno like selection, and yeah. and then and then he'd be like. Like, hey, I'll trade you this one for that one you've been working with. And it's like you have that porn for so long. You've been working with it. You felt like you had a relationship with these girls. And you'd be like, really? I mean, all right. And the, but you're like, man, if I give this away, you might never see that girl ever again. And it's like. Dude, it's- you, ever get, uh, you ever go to Pornhub and oh. uh, you just find your old porn? I've tried. If you ever, if you, ever, you ever like accidentally run into an old porn you've seen, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like an old friend. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Didn't you tell me that like you did, like when you went in for the audition and you did like a joke yeah. that just gets usually like a chuckle, it got like, like, t- yeah, I heard like, uh, so you go into audition and then there's like just a small table and you would, I didn't care the whole time. I was like, I'm never going to get SNL. I don't give a fuck. I've never, the last like, eight years I never wanted SNL all that shit so I went into this audition like whatever and then when it's your turn to go on you walk in and you're just on the main stage and you haven't seen the stage yet they keep you backstage until it's your turn to audition and then you walk out and like when you're walking out you see like the lights and the main stage you're just like holy shit this one this is a big one yeah (laughs) so like all of a sudden all of a sudden I cared immensely yeah and uh I was incredibly nervous Oh, yeah, you auditioned on the stage. Oh, wow. On the main, like, where they give the monologue stage. Uh, and then 
the only people in the room are like the writers. So there's a couple writers, producers, and just Lorne. So the whole studio is empty. There's a table of about eight people to your left. You're not supposed to even acknowledge them. You're supposed to perform as if the room's full. And they just, you know, there's a camera guy right in front of you and he goes three, two, go. And you got to, you just got five minutes. And then, uh, the first like couple jokes I said, like that were like setups. They told you the whole time, no one's going to laugh. They're going to try not to laugh. The first like couple jokes I said, I started getting like laughs from the table and like, you could barely see them cause it's dark, but you could see like Lauren, you could see Che's Yankees hat. Yeah. And I could see them laughing and I was like, Oh shit, this is going pretty good. Yeah. But I'm still nervous. I was so nervous. The mic was shaking. <laughs> you know yeah. so i had it like pressed i had it pressed against my chin <laughs> so my hand would stop shaking yeah and then uh i get done and i ran into che that night i was with soder and big j and uh i was like damn i was so nervous and che was like no nah, you were pretty good and then he was talking to jay and dan and he was like yo your boy your boy did pretty good and then i started i was like oh shit i might actually be getting this yeah I was like, I gotta, I'm fucked, dude. If I get this, thing. <laughs> I was like, yo, if people look into me at all, dude. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's funny, it's funny, like you can see DMs from like comics that like hit me up that were like, yo, congrats. Immediately I'd respond, like, no, bro, this is gonna go bad. <laughs> so you, you knew that, you knew that when, when you got it, it was like, because you know, because there's a good chance. Well, because it seems like every single person that's gotten Saturday Night Live, like they they tried to dig into Melissa Villas in yours old tweets. They dug into John Renitsky's old tweets. Like, of course, do yeah. we have shit that we tweeted? Because it was, I don't want to say it was acceptable. It was just. It was, dude. Fucking with the biggest movies of like 1984 was Porky's, where sure. guys stick their dicks through the holes of sure. shower, and it was like that's go like, watch go watch uh, a movie from 2015. Yeah, dude. It's crazy, but mine was worse. Mine was a podcast, which none of them ever had. Yeah. So it's literally a filming my fat face talking and saying fucked up things. Whereas theirs was like, you can dismiss it as a tweet. Like it's a fucked up tweet. Yeah. Mine was, you literally saw my face. And the reason I wasn't laughing. So it looked like I was serious was we had never filmed it. We had, we filmed one podcast and that was it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the one that was the one and we totally forgot about it i was like oh shit i forgot about that and they literally pe people were like oh they must have dug real deep yeah. i think that's four <laughs> i think that's four minutes in <laughs> it was the one video <laughs> that is ridiculous oh. yeah so no look i you know sometimes shit happens it's funny i was yeah i was the only dude i was getting canceled and i would have to take the train home Oh my God. Like in New York, I lived in this room, the room I'm in right now, yeah. this little hallway. <laughs> now, thankfully I've moved on to the bedroom over. <laughs> nice. This is, I've upgraded. <laughs> this is my friend's room now, but this is, I was coming home to this closet that you can see, I can stick my arms across right. and reach it. And I was literally taking, I would go to 30 rock and talk to Lauren Michaels for a long time about what we can do and how to fix this. And then I'd get on a fucking train and go home and I'd literally see people like looking at their phones and looking up at me. No and then looking way. Back at it. Dude, I was, it was number one on Twitter for like three straight days. Oh, wow. it was all anybody talked about in the world. How did you, how did you handle it then? I mean, knowing, cause it's like, you're, I, don't know. I, think I, you, I must've blocked it out. <laughs> cause you're, cause you're like, you're not, like, I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> 
well, no, was, I don't care. I just Shane because you're at the time because it's like now that now that we're friends, man. It's like you're you're you know when we're all together, you're a big personality and you're fun. But it's like when we're just out, it's like when I especially when I first met you, you know, not even at Harrisburg. What I'm talking about in New York with Jay is like you were just a lot more reserved. Even when you did my comedy store show, you know, you have a couple beers and you're hanging, but it's like you're not like this. Give me all the attention type guy yeah. and then suddenly everybody is staring at you and lumping you in with because i remember i saw that one post where it was like r kelly roseanne Barr, yeah. fucking that's and like you. my favorite picture yeah no, was, there was cnn ran a thing that was r kelly me and michael jackson Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> and i was like i don't Jesus know these guys Christ. like might have raped kids i don't know but also <laughs> i was the only i was the only one proven guilty free mj free r kelly <laughs> wow i have one one by one last question. just i hate to this is this is interesting to me is was there anywhere in you where you were a little relieved because of what saturday night life like what your life would have been at saturday night live because you seem like sort of you're a young guy and you're coming up and you're still relatively new what are you 10 11 years in 12 yeah, about, years in? yeah 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 about 10 years i'm like you're about 10 years in and you're the thrust of that pressure because i hear from people we've had guests we've had people that have yeah. been on the, on the show and we've had you know and i've known people myself i'm like the, the amount of pressure on a young person to go on that show knowing just the just just the who's going to take it down and just say it's not funny just because they're assholes and that's been on the air too long and then who's going to just be like oh this must be the next god of comedy yeah. ever you know or and just writing i mean just working for a week without stopping I think that would have been tough. I think the pressure and hard, the the hard, I think getting canceled would have been, is a lot harder than having been on the show. I think right. the path that I ended up having to take was definitely, is definitely more difficult and stressful. Yeah. I mean, that's stressful. I like, imagine. Every day. Like, dude, I was having nightmares about internet comments. Really? Like, I was literally like waking up like, oh, fuck, they found my house. Like my parents were getting death threats. Like it's, it's fucking, it's about as stressful as it can get. So if I listen to one of those guys be like, oh, they didn't use my sketch. I'm like, all right, well, shut the fuck up. Cause right. yeah. my parents are getting <laughs> letters from maniacs. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny that, that the people that are like the social justice warriors are, are, you know, it's like they almost like what they attack worse than anything, any you could have ever said the shit they probably said to you. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't. One of the bad ah, in mind. It's I, I I don't care enough about it, and like the cancel culture stuff is like it's so hack at this point to even. But I get it. That's why I'm on the show. <laughs> no, but I'm saying no. you guys. No, you guys. You. I mean, the way Josh. You know, you're a comedian, a funny comedian, friend of Josh's. And the we knew the conversation would be there anyway. I'm glad I found out you were. Yeah. A history maker. I don't mind it. I don't facet. mind it. Yeah. Talking about it. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's, I mean, I hate to say it, you're a, a product of this, at this moment in time, there's not a yeah. lot of other people that can say like you were around, not only around, you have an actual firsthand, you know, yeah. you know, it's first. Just, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And survive. Yeah. Like, yeah. Listen, I didn't listen. The last thing I booked you for was 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 the cancellation. What I booked you for is watching you watching you on stage and, and seeing how fucking good you are and being yourself as a comedian. These are you're seeing you and your growth here. It, it's it's just fucking incredible, man. And hold on, I just unplugged my headphones. 
God damn it. As I'm making a poignant yeah, moment. I was just about to feel nice. Oh, he's so. Look at hey. that hair, dude. Holy hell. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> what I do. Love it. You pulled your hair off. You looked like you were underwater. <laughs> fucking floating. <laughs> this is, whoop. Uh, yeah. No, but it's like, dude, I, I and I say this, man. I was like, I if you do SNL, I don't think you're ever gonna have the power in your career that you have right now. And I think what you're making with with you not just on stage, but with with all of your friends from Philly, man, I think it's it's brilliant. And uh, I, I mean, I mean that when I say it, dude, it's like, you know, once people get to know you and meet you, they realize that you're that you're not this person that Seth or whatever, like put out. It's like you're making a joke. And it's like that's the problem with the direction of society is that everybody is taking everything from these short little clips. And they're just that's what they're going off of instead of seeing everything. Yeah. Me and Morty were talking about context. It's like if you just pull out a, a minute of most of our stand up, we'd all get canceled. But it's the full sure. joke. So, yeah, Eddie Murphy hit that. Eddie Murphy, when he said Bill Cosby, which is ironic now when you look back at the special. But when he talks yeah. about Bill Cosby calling him and being like all the things he's saying on stage, he's like, well, I don't just come out and go like, fuck you, suck my dick. Fuck you. You know, there's some yeah. jokes in between that. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And understandably, there's a difference between whatever the, you know, this, the thing is in this context, there's a different state of me and three of my friends are in the car and somebody cuts me off. The shit that comes out of my mouth when somebody cuts me off, I have no idea who the person is. I have no idea their race, yeah, their yeah, gender, yeah. who they voted for. Some shit that comes out of my mouth is the most despicable deplorable horrible stuff at that moment and then right afterwards i'm like jesus christ imagine if that imagine if i turn over and then there's you know there's you're like oh shit i'm on instagram live (laughs) (laughs) right there and that's all they see of me they see my head from the window to there what just came out of my mouth it would be so good i just brought nuns food if you could get in there if you could get into everybody's like text messages and just see what they're texting to well, their that's friends, that's where it's coming. That's yeah, where it's going. Exactly. To, where, where it just becomes when we're all canceled, nobody's canceled. I mean, I know that's once everybody has been canceled, there will be no cancel culture because it'll have to be the one person. It's the well, eye. Of look, the I mean, Shane, and I mean, like I'll bring it up. It's fucking that, that, that one girl tried to throw you under the bus two years later. And then people found she had a tweet that was oh, like that was anti-Asian. Great. Did you know about that Morty? Oh, that was great. No, there's this female writer. I don't know her, so I'm not going to talk that about the one her. that caused the whole thing. No, 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 That's a different guy. This that, was recent. This was recent. And and it was this girl, you know, because it was during all the Asian, you know, uh, you know, hate stuff a few months ago when it was really at it's like when they were doing the bills and stuff like that. And she put out this tweet saying, like, you know, don't forget about the guy from, you know, got canceled from SNL and blah, blah, blah. What she tweeted was uh, after the shooting in Atlanta of the. Yeah. She basically just tweeted out that I was complicit in the shooting in Atlanta of Asian women. It's a strange (laughs) parallel. It's a strange parallel to make. And just instantly people were like, yo, is this you? (laughs) Oh, and then they found out (laughs) she she had said something. And then she lied about, yeah. And then she went on and was like, I'm getting fired because she said she worked at Adult Swim. So she was like, all right, I lost my job. I hope you guys are happy. It turns out she lost her a different job. She didn't still work for them. Like it was like a fake pity thing. Whatever. These people are fucking weird. Yeah. yeah, it's very difficult. You know, like I, I am the first. Maybe I'm wrong I, about that, by the way. But I, yeah, allegedly. 
Uh, well, I'm the first to admit it. I was like, I don't like. I, I understand. You know, I, <laughs> I don't. Oh, sorry. Well, I found her. I found her tweet, and it's pretty. Oh, great. please. Yeah, go ahead. So, she wrote this thing about uh, me getting SNL revoked after an anti-Asian slur, and so many people thought it was an overreaction. Hateful language begets violence. Hateful jokes beget violence. They minimize and dehumanize and allow for normalization of terror. <laughs> right. And then uh, somebody was like, is this you? And it was her in all caps. <laughs> homemade. Oh, this is great. In all caps. Homemade pad tie. Didn't put my cat in it, though. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, it's like, nice call. You fucking yeah, we don't have to. <laughs> we don't have to dig real deep to find people being horrible. Which, Which is that was normal. Funny, the pad tie joke was pretty funny, dude. Yeah, just, but yeah. it's a joke. It's, it's like, a joke. That's what I'm it was saying. Outrageous. It's, so, so I found this, and I think I sent this to you too. Which is uh, this guy Shant Mizrobian wrote the reason why so many extremely woke people turn out to have been bigoted in the past is because bigotry used to be the best way to bully and intimidate people, but now performative anti-bigotry is the best way to bully and intimidate people. An evolving tool set for sociopaths and that's what i'm saying it's like there's we all have something in our past and it's like there's people that are that are just you know that are the ones that are extra gung-ho about it you're like what did you do do you know what yeah. i mean well it's a difficult thing also it's hard you can't be and i and this is now let me rephrase this in a way that does not sound out of context for what this is as white dudes straight white dudes whatever we need to shut the fuck up because we just don't we don't have the option right now of ever standing. No, I'm saying we don't ever have the option of standing in any place where you can't find more of us being terrible than anyone else. Like we are like, we are the, we're the, we are the, we're the, like the, like we are the top echelon. Are you about to say Harlem Globetrotters? <laughs> what, no, what I'm saying, but owned oh. by a Jewish guy. I'm saying is like, yeah. I'm saying is like, we are the top of the worst people that have ever been as people. But other Whoa, than that, man. We, this is crazy talk. No, we are, but we also have to be. But in the same way, we who also cares? have to be who we are. No, I'm saying is we also have to be who we are. You're comedians. I'm a musician. We're still writing. We're still existing. We can't go die because, yeah, but because what about, people don't like it. You know, I I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, I hear you. No, That's you. Fine. I'm you're. I'm saying. I'm not allowed you, to say it. I. I'm. It looks bad if I'm like, hey, the Irish were slaves too. Absolutely. Plus, I can't, and the can't Jews are still hiding by my parents are still bitched off about Egypt. There were no Jews in Egypt. You can't find yeah. any, you can't find any history. You were a history major. I'm Jewish. And I'm telling you, there's no historical uh, accuracy to the I Jews mean, building the pyramids, but we still hang yeah, but, on to that yeah, shit. I mean, yeah. But if we're talking about, I don't know. I don't I'm know. I'm just saying we're, we get treated like a monolith in this situation where we shouldn't treat other people like monoliths. And that's the same thing. The individual, all three of us are from absolutely different backgrounds. Oh, we for sure. Yes. For yes. what we are. Totally but agree with that. Where we are at this moment in time has never been less of a good place for us to be in, for us to just say, you know what pisses me off? And people go, we do. <laughs> We've had yeah, yeah, yeah. 900 years of knowing what pisses yeah. you off. You know, like, I don't want to hear what pisses you off. I want to hear what pisses somebody that hasn't had that opportunity. So it's very, and I'm, and I'm, by the way, none of what I'm saying is saying. What are we, fucking vampires? Who was there? What are you <laughs> no, talking I'm about? Saying it's 900 not years ago, they heard us you know, complaining? No, you know what? I, well, look who wrote all the shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, parchment. Like, I don't look at that and I go, wow, look at all those Asian women that are in that picture of those dudes on the boat. 
You know, I'm like, yeah. oh, they were under the boat. I get it. You know, like, that's they were. good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? What history no. is this? Um, yeah. You know, I, I was, I, so I was being exaggerated. The had Asian ladies? I was exaggerating. <laughs> I was exaggerating. Well, no, no of, I, course, the, of course. The point I was, so the point much. I was making was, it's very. I, I understand it's very difficult to be at a place right now as an individual and still be a representative of a monolith, even if you don't want to, because the other way around is something that people are very upset by. You know what I mean? Like they don't ever want to be any block of anybody. Don't want to, women don't want to be treated like women, and all women or all black people, all white people, but white people now. I mean, we're just we're taking the licks of the pendulum swinging. And unfortunately, I think Trump, not to get political on this, but I think when you go to the Trump thing, that's the pendulum already swinging back of them already going like, we didn't like four years of it. Forget 400 years. We didn't even like four years of that. Like, we know what it's like now a little bit. And we're so totally against that already that we're going to fight back now to prove Mm. that we don't like it. So anyway, that that, by the way, that's all me. I could give a fuck because you're not going to not go see me do my set at, you know, the comedy store tonight. Yeah. You know, I'm just a musician guy talking out of my ass. But, you know, Rage Against the Machine. There are machines. <laughs> there the machines are in. going to change. Hold on. Hold on. Now that the white guys are uh, we're getting oppressed? Yeah. Rage Against the Machine, yeah. bro. We need to start because raging against the it. The machine is going to change, man. The machine is going to keep changing. Yeah. The rage is going to stay there. The machines are going to keep changing. Yeah. You know, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, you know, I, I want this to be like what we were doing at the end, just talking and, and kind of tying it back to the record. It's like I love I just love just being able to talk to everybody. And, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. We'll, yeah. So what we may do from now on is we're going to still give you guys a music podcast where we might you know, we might make it so that the conversations take over and we'll still talk about the best songs on the album and probably the songs that we were blown away that were actually on the album that maybe people don't know. But we just want to make sure it's a tight show and you guys are enjoying the conversations and learning a lot. Dude, Shane, you think, dude, I, I get shit on. That's why Morty's here, because I don't know anything about music and Morty knows everything. And I mean, people just destroy me, dude. They're like, he knows nothing. What are you nothing. talking about? It's not even oh, that, on the, on on the, the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> on the comments, dude. They're like, why is oh, he hurt? get lit up, dude. Yeah, we, we all are. That's what's so great about it. But it's because music is taken so seriously more than any other art form ever. It's just because songs like, you know, there's going to be somebody that's mad at us that we didn't talk about Township Rebellion. He's going to be like, how could you not talk about that song? It's so important because of this, this, and this. Because music, you equate to, like, moments in your life. Like, the dude, if, you know, anytime I hear, like, Beastie Boys, Hello Nasty, it takes me right back to 1997, being in Europe. Like, I can remember it. I can remember, you know, this Radiohead song, Driving With This Girl. It's like the sun's coming down as we're leaving a rave. It's one of the best moments of my life. And, and so people have such a deep connection to music that if you poo-poo it at all – like they fucking will destroy. Yeah. I get I yeah. got lit up over MGMT, bro. MGMT rules. They do rule, but these people thought what, I shit, you, on you shit on them. I didn't. What's your fucking problem? Why By you the way, Shane's gonna shit on you. <laughs> I, I I will say this for all the fleece army listening for you guys. So this is one moment of, of tenderness and what this is. Never forget this because this is what drew me into the show. I wasn't on right from the beginning. This show, the entire impetus of this show was that and and this is real, was that Josh, Josh's friend, who was his road dog, his, his, his best friend. Angelo Bowers, was, funniest was guy. Angelo Bowers, 
was was you know a big music fan i met them at the gig we're talking about the rage against machine i met them both at the kibitz room together and we used to talk a little bit and i'm sad i never got to know angelo any better and that i had to know josh more but i was uh, <laughs> i was uh i i uh I met him and then I didn't see Josh for a while. And when I, when he showed up again, he was like, we got, you know, Angelo got killed. We were in a drunk driving accident and I was driving and he, he loved music. And he said, you should basically open yourself up to more music. So just so you guys know, listening, the entire impetus of this show comes from basically all love. It all comes from love and trying to open Josh opening himself up to what else is out there. Listen, we took on records nobody should have to listen yeah, to. And dude. I'm a guy that loves music. <laughs> P-I-L. P-I-L and some of the, there's music on here that is on here. because P-I-L? It's, it's public, public image. Public image limited. Dude, dude, it's like, it's, this, it's this, this tough, is the greatest. Thing. Dude, Shane, you'll love this. We had Kyle, heard of Dude, it's, it's, you've heard of Sex Pistols, right? Oh yeah. So the lead yeah. singer of Sex Pistols, they they break up uh, or end, and then he starts this band, and the record is a tough listen. Uh, I finally started around the seventh listening, really digging it. But the best way to sum it up was uh, Kyle Kinane was on the episode, and he goes, he goes, so what was the number this was ranked? And he, I'm like, you know, four sixty two, and he goes, what was four sixty three? Spooky sounds for Halloween, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you guys know out there. When you, whatever, however you feel about this show or whatever you're taking from this, know that the entire, the entire start of this show, the entire point of this show of weekly, the grind of it is that opening us up, we're not supposed to know everything. Even me who, you know, Josh is doing his best to sort of hold on, but it all comes from a place of love and a place of, of, of honoring another music fan who is his best friend. Yeah. So never think for a second that what we thought we had the balls to try to do is to be authorities on rage or on this or all that. We're not, we are absolutely like you. We listen to music and then we talk about it and we get into it. And sometimes we don't get into it and we get into not getting into it. And yeah. then we find something universal about it. So never forget at its core, where this comes from is a part like comedy of absolute truth. We want to know where they were at the time. We want to know what their heads were at. We want to know why this is important to you. So when you guys write on Twitter, tell us. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't sh no don't shit. Tell <laughs> us don't what it shit. meant to you. Tell <laughs> us what it meant to you. Don't, don't just share the negative. You just Dude, them up. hit the beehive, my brother. I've <laughs> yeah. been there. I know. Trust me, I've been there. I've been tell like, us what hey, you think of Shane. Quit talking shit, pussies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying is we have very we're very fortunate. The people that actually pay attention and, and are and are the fans, and we know who you guys are. We really do appreciate it. When you're on, talk about what it meant to you because we have guys out there. I mean, guys in the you know in the in the non whatever and ladies we have ladies too no i'm saying in the non-gender form i'm saying we have people out there yeah we don't believe in gender here yeah no we just say like hey guys today i'm <laughs> trying on this new body scrub no i'm just saying no, I'm we, are absolutely, hell, <laughs> yeah, we are absolutely now you love me we are absolutely music fans and we love the idea that in this course of however 130 100 however many records we've done we've learned even me who thinks of myself as you know, an aficionado of music have blown my mind of yeah. what I've been turned on to. I, we heard the sounds of Soweto. I know Just, like things like that. Yeah. And we took it seriously. Like yeah. we were on listening. Well, to, it's a so lot just, of it's because of you, Morty. It's a lot yeah, of it is because you. of you, because you've, you've I quit. been, 
No, please no, I don't. Because I, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do the research, <laughs> dude. Like, I don't want to do the research. I, it's. Yeah. I just. I need you here. I want whatever, you here. Whatever. However, the show progresses in general from here on out or wherever. Just know that the heart of the show is that we're trying to bring you maybe something you haven't heard before. And if you have heard it, we're trying to bring you something that makes you get back in touch with that feeling you had when you heard it for the first time. We're not always going to find guests who were fortunate to have been at an age where things click <laughs> because like the next record's <laughs> from like 71. Yeah, it's, and it's I'm a the difficult... only person in the room that's alive when that happens. So we're not going to get like a young dude who's like, oh yeah, I remember where I was. I was at the Canyon store, you know, buying zigzags. You know, it's like, no, I heard this you know, 20. I heard this three years ago. Yeah. But we understand yeah. that. So you guys have to understand we do our best. The bookers, everybody that brings people on here, it all comes from a place of love. It's always honoring Angelo's name and and bringing to this show what was important about music from the beginning. We hope to be able to do it forever. And we hope that you guys can tell your friends about it. Honestly, to tell your friends about it, it's always coming from a place of love. Just so you guys know that it's always coming from trying to find find that understanding. Yeah, very you well know? said, and, Morty. Very, very well thanks. said. Is this how you guys end uh, every episode? Every now? episode, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I have to pee, and it's a little shorter. <laughs> <laughs> we like to let's have the grass be quiet for five minutes while we just do the most beautiful. Like yeah. it's about love. Yeah, man. I love you, man. I love you too. Man. You usually what we do we do that, and then I go now. What now? What are you trying to push? You, I <laughs> yeah, have true. A, I have a bath bomb coming out, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not as important as Angelo, but you know, oh, I forgot, I forgot to include this about how, how rage affected me. It, uh, anytime I would do the bonfire for the first time, back when they were at the beginning of the show on Sirius XM, it would, their theme song was calm, like a bomb. Yeah. Oh. And it was just like, it was right when I just got into New York. So like, I was so, I was like, damn, I'm in Sirius XM studio. Uh, and then they start blasting that in the studio. And I was just like, yo, this is it. Let, like, just fire me up. Dude. I used to, it's the best. Yeah, I used to listen to them before football games. I mean, Rage Against the Machine fucking rocks. They rock, dude. They they changed the music people listen to at the gym uh, forever. Forever. Yeah, this is, this is, you cannot, li you listen to this, you're going to hit a PR. You're going to go on your Peloton like a lady. <laughs> like a lady. You fat-hipped man. <laughs> Dude, Shane, this was great, buddy. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, you guys rule. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. What I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Shane Gillis. This was a good one, man. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Follow Shane on all social media at Shane M. Gillis. Go to his website, shanemgillis.com. Listen to his podcast, Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast. See Shane on the road and support this great comic. All right, guys, we just listened to Rage Against the Machine from 1992. For new music pick this week, it's Whack Rat, alt-punk-influenced American trio. It's got Rage Against the Machine's bass player, Tim Cumberford. Whack Rat released their self-titled debut album in 2016. And you're listening to the song Generation Fucked. Ooh, I like that name. Find the links at the500podcast.com. And if you want your music featured on the 500 website, on the show, whatever, send us your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. And uh, tell us what album or, or whatever influenced you, and we'll put it on the podcast. What do we got next week? Doors Week. Oh, snap. Snap doodle. We're going to go deep into the 1971 record, L.A. Woman, when Jim Morrison was fat. Tune in. It's going to be fun. Listen to the record. Do your homework. Doodle doodle. Us day, please.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Next Chapter Podcasts.